Amen. Are you all ready to hear the word of God? You know, I, I want to encourage you this morning. I just want to bring encouragement to your soul. We live in a, a day and age where we need to, uh, just a little bit of, of encouragement. And, um, you know, if, you've, if you want great thoughts, read your Bible. If you want the deepest and highest truth that ever was, then read your Bible. Because God speaks to us in our mother tongue. He speaks to us in the language we understand. And why should I ask someone else what my father is saying to me? See, we can go directly to God's word and we can hear from the father. You know, the Bible to many people is maybe a dull book. Maybe it's like a dried old will, you know. But I guarantee you, when that will is read, and you hear your name, your ears perk up. Oh, what's in it for me? He's leaving something for me? I tell you, I was very excited when I read God's word and heard my name in his word. It sounded something like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son... That whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. I'm so thankful that he included me. I mean, what if there is something in the testament of our Lord Jesus for you? When we hear his word, I mean, it's, it's like, get your legacy right now. Start living the eternal life right now. It's not something off in the distance. It's something he has for us today. I think that's beautiful. I'm going to be in Joshua this morning. We're going to continue in our studies in Joshua. And Joshua chapter 5. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a great thing when we have uh, biblical... Um, leaders that we can take our cues from. I mean, what a blessing it is to, that, that we have the book of Joshua that God has given us to, to gain insight and to learn about things. And, and this morning we're going to talk a little bit about Jericho. And, and I want to read this passage. I want to begin in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 13. And I'm going to read down through verse 6. Excuse me, verse 5 in chapter 6 and then verse 10. But follow with me in, in your Bible, in your tablet, however you uh, bring the word. But uh, let, let's follow along and read together. It says this in verse 13 of chapter 5. Now, it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? 
The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, every man straight ahead. And then verse 10, it says, But Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you, shout. Then you shall shout. Loving Father, I thank you for your word and I ask God that your Holy Spirit would, would be our, our, our guide in your truth. Father, that you would take us into the very truth of who we are and what we are about. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would convict our hearts. Our hearts are laid open before you. Father, I ask that you would just examine our hearts. Father, if there is someone here that doesn't know you, I pray that you would draw them. Father, if there are things in our life that is not right with you, I pray that it would be corrected today. Lord, we are your people and we love you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the walled city of Jericho, it stood as a physical, but also a psychological obstacle between the people of Israel and them claiming the land that God had promised to them. They cross over the river on dry ground. They walk right through their dry riverbed because God did a supernatural thing there. And the first thing they encounter is a walled city that is supposed to become their city. It's supposed to become their land. But they've got to take this in order for that to happen. Before they could move deeper into Canaan, the walled city of Jericho, the walls had to fall. Jericho had to fall. See, Jericho was known in Joshua's day as the oldest city in the world. It was surrounded by a fortress of walls, massive stone walls. And the outer wall was six feet thick and 12 feet high. And the inner wall was, was um, 12 feet thick and 30 feet high. So you have a, an ex exterior wall that's, that's very big and then you have an even bigger interior wall. And between the two walls there was a, a walkway there that was 15 feet thick. You would think this fortress was 
impenetrable. That there's no way you're going to be able to take over this city because of the massiveness of these walls. See, Israel had a problem. And that problem was this city they had to conquer. And there were some extremely huge walls in the way. (laughs) See, that ancient city, it stood between Israel and victory. Folks, it's a picture of those things that are entrenched and rooted in our lives. I mean, Jericho stands for, it represents the things that prevent us from going deep. From going deeper with God ourselves. I mean, what what prevents us from, from going deeper with God? I mean, regardless of how pious we may think we are. There are things that are embedded in our lives that hinder our walk with Christ. We might think we're all that, but you know, it it takes God's word to show us there's things in our lives that, that we cannot conquer on our own. That we need God's help. See, as we go through life, we have obstacles that we face. That obstacle may be someone whom you love that is lost, that doesn't have Jesus as their Savior. Maybe somebody that, that is, maybe we're pr- uh, praying over a lost neighborhood. Maybe you have a burden for the, the people that live around you. Or maybe it's a ministry from the Lord that we feel inadequate about. That maybe we, we're, we feel like we're in over our heads. Or maybe it's family issues that, that tear our hearts in two and leave us wondering what to do. Maybe it's financial issues that stress us to the limits of our, our patience and our faith. Or maybe it's an annoying sin that just keeps cropping up and coming back that we can't seem to shake and get rid of. Or maybe it's a million other things that keep us from moving deeper with God. But let me encourage you. Don't look at your obstacles as a dead end. Look at your obstacles as opportunities for the Lord to work in your life. Folks, this is huge. Because a lot of times we come up against our Jericho and we, we think it's massive and we think there's no way around this. Uh, my life is over. There's nothing else I can do because I've got this, this massive thing in my way in my life. But I want you to understand something. Your Jericho and mine is not massive to sovereign God. It's but a little bump in the road. It's nothing to God. See, the things that we look at and from our perspective, they look so large and they loom so large to us. In our text today, Israel was preparing to take Jericho. God outlined specifically what he wanted Joshua and Israel to do. He wanted them to quietly march around the city, around the, 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 encompass the city, go all the way around the city, march around the city for six days, and with only the priests blowing their horns and carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Now, 
It was one thing (laughs) to be Joshua and to be in God's presence, hearing the instructions (laughs) and saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's quite another thing to be in the Israeli army (laughs) and taking Joshua's word that this was what was going to happen. I mean, can you imagine being in the headquarters that night in the tents? I mean, imagine being part of the military brain trust. Okay, that inner circle around Joshua. And Joshua is there and and he's laying out the plan. He gathers them all and he said, okay, here's the plan from the Lord. When Joshua laid out the plan, I would imagine they certainly must have wondered, are you guys hearing what I'm hearing? I think Joshua's been on the, the, the wine a little too long today. Because he's not speaking clearly. He said we're going to march around the city. We're not going to attack it. We're going to march around it. Oh, how ridiculous the plan must have sounded to those men of war. Those that were ready to take the land. They may have felt frustration as they heard the ridicule from the people on the wall of the city. What are you guys doing out there marching around, blowing the trumpet? That's not going to do anything. What are you doing? See, without faith in God, none of these men would have agreed to do what Joshua was asking them to do. It takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of faith. The military could, could carry their weapons. However, they were not to do anything but march quietly. <laughs> oh, we don't mind marching sometimes, but we don't do it quietly. I don't know why he wants me to do this. It's just as ridiculous to march around this city. That's the way we act. Why would God have me do this? And Joshua said, I want you to march, but I want you to march Quietly. I don't want you to open your mouth. I don't want you to say anything until I tell you to shout. And when I tell you to shout, I want you to let it all out. When I tell you to shout, you you hold it in. All of that frustration, all of whatever it is. You know, it's interesting because in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30... It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith. See, God's instructions to Joshua don't make much sense until we remember that the battle belongs to God and to God alone. This battle, your battle, my battle, our battle belongs to the God. It belongs to the Lord. See, God asked Joshua and Israel to walk around quietly, carrying the ark, blow the trumpets. And then when the time was right, to shout. See, one of the great characteristics of of people... Of great people 
is in their willingness and their willing obedience to the command. (laughs) To repress their emotions at a time like this. Sometimes we, we don't understand what's going on. And we hear a word from God and we don't like it. And so we want to go and we want to show everybody what God's saying. And we want an advocate that says, no, I don't think God's saying that. I mean, think about this. They were, they were willing in obedience to repress their emotions at a time like this. And they all had agreed to do whatever Joshua commanded them. Look in chapter 1, verse 16. He says, that the, the people answered and said to Joshua, we will do whatever you command. Joshua commands, don't say a word. Walk around the city, don't say a word, don't breathe a word, don't talk. Just quietly march around the city. See, their ignorance to how things were going to play out made obedience to the command to go around the city for six days without venting their feelings, without, without once even saying or grumbling about it, it makes it more difficult when we can't express our emotions. When we have to bite our tongue. When we can't say what's on our mind. When we can't confer with a a brother or sister and say, yeah, Joshua's crazy. Joshua's off his rocker. We're not taking this city. We're marching around it quietly. But it makes it that much more difficult when we can't vent. But it also makes the shout that much greater. This is important. From the very start, this nation of conquerors had to conquer their own spirit. This is huge. Because we think we can post whatever we want on Facebook. We think we can say whatever we want. And hide behind the anonymity. But we are going to give account for every idle word spoken. He knows our hearts. See, this, this is huge because we have a problem with this. We don't conquer our own spirit. We think that our opinion matters in everything. And it doesn't. What does matter is his opinion. The rest of it doesn't really matter. See, only those who can be silent can shout to a good purpose. Think about this. You know people, and I do too, whose mouth runs all the time. All you, you hear them coming before you see them. But here's the deal. When they do shout, we don't hear a whole lot. And the reason is, is because there's no force behind it. But you know, it's always been that way with God's servants. I mean, you think about Moses. He spent 40 years in the land of Midian. Waiting, biding his time. You don't hear a whole lot about anything during that time. He's not leading people on a grand exodus. He's not, he's not uh, before the Pharaoh. He's out in the wilderness in Midian tending sheep for his father-in-law. You know, Christ, he told his disciples, he said, tarry here in Jerusalem until 
until. Or the Apostle Paul. He has that Damascus Road experience. He, he goes and he has the scales removed from his eyes. And, and, and then he spends three years in Arabia being taught by the Lord. So here are the people who, who could persist in their apparent meaningless rounds until they were told to shout, had the makings of conquerors in them. But you see, the shout would have all the momentum of the delay within it. Don't say anything for six days. And on the seventh day, when I tell you to shout, I want you to give it a shout for all your worth. Let it out. See, sometimes we don't understand, but that's okay. I mean, God's mysteries are not for us to explain. They're for us to accept by faith and to act upon. I mean, if you're struggling to understand something about God, a mystery about Him, don't trouble yourself. The real issue is not how much you understand about the mysteries of God. The real issue is whether or not you're willing to obey. Because it comes down to obedience. For each one of us. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. We have to be obedient to the word of God. When we know God's word, when we hear God's word, we have to be obedient to it. Faith obeys when explanations are lacking. I mean, we've sang that song, you know, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. See, the people here are obeying. They're marching around the city for six days. And it gives them plenty of opportunity to examine the wall. They're probably tired of looking at it. Because it's probably not much different on each side. And you know, sometimes when we're looking at the obstacles in our lives, they seem so big. They seem so insurmountable. They had lots of time to lose their faith. But they kept marching. They kept obeying. And they kept trusting. So let me make this a little bit personal here. How long have you been, in, been marching in obedience to a promise of God? Sometimes we read God's promises and we want to give up. We're only on day two around the city of Jericho and we're ready to give up. Because we want something now and we want, we're impatient for it. And, and if it doesn't happen in the next week, then, then I'm just going to give up on it. If it doesn't happen in the next hour, I'm just going to give up on it. And that's the kind of people we are. That's the kind of lives we live. Maybe you've given up already. Let me tell you this. God has never broken a promise a single promise to any person. And he's not about to start now. If you're trusting the promise, if you're walking by faith, if you are obeying and keep on walking and keep on trusting and keep on obeying, his promise is as good as it was when he gave it to you. And when he wants you to have it, he will give it to you. 
But we have to do our part. If he's given you direction, take it. If he's given you instructions, obey him. Because understand, God's ways, his ways are not our ways. I mean, God told Noah to build a boat. His neighbors thought he was crazy. God told Abraham to sacrifice his son. God put Joseph in a position to be influenced by giving him dreams. During the times of the judges, Gideon was told that he needed a smaller army. It just doesn't make sense to us. I mean, God defeated the Philistines using a boy with a sling. He chose the chief prosecutor of the church to become the chief theologian in Paul. See, although following God's instructions meant asking everyone to trust what seemed to be irrational, an irrational request, obedience is what led to the victory. Verse 20 says, So the people shouted, and priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. Only God could do that. The walls of Jericho, they're a good illustration of what we must do to win the fights that we face. But we must be obedient to every word God tells us. I mean, in the Gospel of John, the word is Christ. He's the Logos. Trusting Christ may seem silly. As silly to some as walking around a city for six days. If you trust Christ, you're going to find that the walls of your life will come down as well. Look at what it says in Ephesians 2. Verse 14 and following says this. It says, For he himself, Christ, is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity, basically bringing hostility to an end. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have our, our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. I love that. Follow this. Listen to me. 
Our obedience is the truest expression of our worship. Joshua bowed in honor and respect before the commander of the Lord's army. It's one thing to bow in honor before the commander. It's another thing to honor him with your obedience. But folks, that's true of all of us. I mean, we can sing songs for an hour. We can sing songs to the Lord for an hour. We can even cry out of our love for the Lord. We can learn great truths and we can write them down in our journals and our notebooks. But the real test of our heart is how we live our lives. I mean, our truest act of worship is obedience, our obedience in the way that we live our lives every single day. I mean, it's one thing to say we honor the Lord. We're going to put him first. We're going to honor the Lord. It's another thing to do what he tells us to do. Especially when it results in somebody ridiculing us. Or when it goes against our instincts. Or when it conflicts with our desires. Or when it means a delay in the resolution of our issue. Sometimes we think, well, it must not be God's will. Because he's not doing it in my timing. He's not obligated by our timing. Not in the least. See, it's in these times that we show our true feelings toward the Lord. It's kind of like a marriage. Think about it in these terms. You can make all kinds of promises while you're dressed in fancy clothes. You know, in the midst of the hoopla, in the midst of the, the wedding ceremony, you're all dressed up and you're, you're making these amazing promises to each other. But the real test of love is how we treat each other in the daily encounters of our lives. I mean, the true test is how we respond to each other when we're frustrated, when we're tired. Or when we have a difference of opinion. Ouch. Folks, our world needs some love right now. Our nation needs some love. See, a common mistake that we make, though, in life is assuming that if we don't understand something, if we don't understand what we see before our eyes, if we don't understand what's being done, then it's either irrational or it doesn't make sense. In other words, we might assume that because we don't know why the Israelites were to walk around Jericho, then there must not be a good reason for walking around Jericho. It's not ours to know everything about everything. I believe that God was multitasking, as my wife puts it. I'm not very good at multitasking. She's great at it. You know, she can do several things at one time. Maybe that's what God is doing. Think about this. Maybe, maybe God is siphoning the courage away from the people of Jericho. 
As they see that army march around them every day for six days, they know that there is a resolve that they've honed in on this city, and this city is going to become theirs. He may have been teaching Israel about patience and trust, or maybe even just teaching them some self-discipline. Keep your mouth shut. Walk in silence. You don't have to make, you don't have to take up for yourself every time. Let Jesus, let the Lord God be your advocate. But so many times we got to make excuses. We got to say why we did what we did. And all we're trying to do is please people. Let your actions speak for themselves. Live your life in obedience to him. I mean, God may have been getting the Israelites psychologically ready for the battle. But see, we're not called to obey God because it makes sense to us. I'm going to tell you right now, when we put our house on the market and we move to Texas with no job, with no, no place to live, only knowing one person that lived in the whole state, My brothers thought I was crazy. But I knew, Tracy knew that God, this was a word from him that we were to move here and to pastor and to do the things that he was calling us to do. And I got to tell you, my God is faithful. We're moving across the country 2,200 miles. With nothing but a promise from Almighty God. With five babies. Seven mouths to feed. And the only person we knew in Texas was a pastor in Colleen. Folks, that's God. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up on paper. See... We're not called to obey him because it makes sense to us. We are to obey God because he's God. And we trust him. See, every time we do something just because God says so, we're acting in faith. We worship and honor God when we tell the truth, even though a lie may may make us look better. We honor and worship God when we give sacrificially to the Lord even though we would rather spend our money on and time on something else? When we keep our dating relationship pure, even though our desires tell us to give in and the pressures from our friends, you know, they're, they're pressuring us? We worship and honor God when we forgive, even when we don't think the other person has learned anything? When we lend a hand to someone who we don't know that can never pay us back? When we pray for our enemies, when we stand up for our faith in a a potentially hostile environment. Standing on the promises. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God. I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. See, the primary message of this historical account is the fact that victory comes from the Lord. Victory comes from the Lord. God is sufficient to do what he promises. 
And the whole event is orchestrated so that the people would know that the victory, they would know that the victory came from the Lord. I mean, they may have marched around the city, but it was the Lord who destroyed the city walls. See, life is best when we let God do his work. I'm wrapping this up. But we need to remember that God can do something in 10 minutes that we've tried to do for 10 years. He can take care of it that quickly. But this is a hard lesson for us. We talk about faith. But in that time of crisis, we have a tendency to trust our heart and our instincts rather than his word. Deep down, what we're saying is we either believe that we know better than he does or that we think God cannot do what he promises, meaning we don't trust him or we're just too impatient. We want to we plant the seed, we want to grow the crop, we want to reap the crop, we want to go take the crop inside the house and eat it all in the same day. And in God's timing, it doesn't work that way. See, life is best when we let God do his work. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying simply kick back in your recliner and let God do all the work. That's not what I'm saying. The Israelites didn't just sit in camp and wait for God to knock down the walls. They had a responsibility. They had something to do. Their job was to obey his commands. Folks, we also have a responsibility. We're not going to see the walls in our lives fall down until we do our part. I mean, practically, this means that the person who's looking for a job must continue to knock on doors and patiently wait for God to open the right one up. The person in financial difficulties must cut out all the unnecessary spending and, and work hard to pay their creditors and become good managers of what they already have. God says, if you will be faithful in little, you will be faithful in much. The person with a troubled marriage should work and go to counseling and read books on marriage and work at those problem areas of communication and other compatibility issues. And then they need to trust God to restore the love in their marriage. I mean, the person looking for a mate. They must date only those that share the commitment that they have to Christ. Who will abide by the biblical principles of purity before marriage. And they need to trust God that he will lead them to the right person. Or the person who's ill. They should pray for healing. And talk to their doctor and take their medicine and trust that God will make them well. The person in ministry has the job of faithfully teaching the truth and loving people. It's God's job to bring about the results. Our job is to do what he tells us to do. His job is to bring about the results. See, even when it comes to our witness, we need to remember that it's God who changes human lives. You and I can't save anybody. But he can. We need to lift him up and he will save them. That's the point. We have to faithfully proclaim the truth. 
So let's apply these with three quick questions very quickly. Is, a, is there a Jericho that you face in your life? Is there something that seems insurmountable? Is there a wall that seems to stand between you and going deeper with God? Second question, have you looked at the Bible to see what God says about your situation? Have you looked into his word? Have you talked to a friend that has pointed you back to God's word? And friend, you need to hear this. When someone comes to you for advice, you need to point them to God's word. You don't need to tell them what you think. You don't need to tell them what you would do. You need to tell them what God's word says about that situation. Have you committed it to prayer? Have you asked God to give you wisdom? The book of James tells us that if we will ask him, he won't withhold wisdom from whoever asks. And the third question is this. Are you willing to follow God's prescription? Are you willing to do what he says and trust that he will bring about the victory? Folks, these are the key issues in overcoming the walls in our own lives. And see, at the beginning of Israel's conquest of Canaan, at the very beginning, they were learning this important lesson that we need to learn. God can be trusted. We can trust God. He knows what he's doing, even if it feels like he's got you walking around in circles. He knows what he's doing. Let's pray. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you for the example that we see in the book of Joshua. Father, it seems like many times we're just spinning our wheels. That, Father, we, we go through life and it seems like it's just the, the same thing, just a different day. But, Father, we know that you are in control of all things. And, Father, I, I confess to you, I just, I just need to trust you more in the things that you are doing. Father, I pray that you would convict us on the level of our trust in you. Father, for some of us, we've never put our faith and trust in you. We've never acknowledged that you are supreme, that you are God, that you are alone our God, that you are our Lord and Savior, that we can trust you not only with our eternal life, but for the very provision for the food for our table today. Father, no matter the, the circumstance that we're under, whether it's a financial circumstance, whether it's a physical circumstance, Father, whether it's an emotional circumstance or whatever the issue that is going on in our life, a relationship issue, a, a job issue, whatever it might be, Father, that you are faithful and you can be trusted, that you are working it out for our good. That you are leading us and taking us where you desire us to be. That you are showing us and leading us into a spiritual maturity. So that you can bless us and help us to be able to handle greater things in your kingdom. Father, I'm so thankful for the transformation that you've done in my life and in the lives of others. 
We ask, Father, that you would help us just to be obedient to what you ask us to do today. Father, that even now, Father, in a time of response, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would give us a word that we might obey, that we would be obedient to you at your very word. Father, that we wouldn't go with our gut feeling or our instincts or call it something irrational, but Father, that it would be that we would just simply obey. And Father, we're going to be very careful to give you all of the praise and all of the glory and the honor for what you do in our lives. Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.